So, dear brothers and sisters, we've all been in the company of couples before. Maybe you've found that... Do people still use the expression gooseberry? No? Third wheeling? Whatever. Okay, so you're in the presence of, of a couple, and they're there holding hands, and it's all lovely, and you're there holding your coffee, <laughs> and just whatever. And some, some couples are, are very affectionate, right? So they're constantly within arm's reach, or within kind of six inches, really. And um, there's a constant hand on the shoulder, or hand in hand, or hand around, or hand somewhere, uh, just head, I don't know. Uh, uh, but there's, there's a constant need to be, to be really, really close. Other couples are remarkably distant. You wouldn't even know they're, they're going out. Sometimes you wouldn't even know them, but they're married. <laughs> there's people who are just, who are just they, 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 they like to keep a, a, I don't know, for some reason, a, a great distance, whatever, to each, to each his own, I suppose. But what's interesting is you can't really write this kind of stuff down and say, here's a manual, here's a book on what you must do in order to have a good relationship with your, your partner, your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. It's very hard to kind of write a book on what, what you should do because how would you, how would you use that book if, if there were to be like a checklist? Say there's a checklist, right, of things that you have to do every day, Right. So here I am in a couple, or I'm, I'm married or whatever, and here's my checklist. Tell her you love her twice a day. I love you, I love you. Check. Okay, good. Hold her hand for at least 20 seconds. Check. I mean, how ridiculous does that seem? You know what I mean? Like it, it's, it, it's absolutely ridiculous if, if a relationship like that is just something that just goes through the motions. You know what I mean? It... it it, it's, it just makes no sense. If we don't want to do these things, if our heart isn't in these things, they make zero sense, right? So when it comes to our, our, our relationship, we've got to be asking ourselves, like, not just am I doing the right things, but why am I doing these things? Why am I doing these things? Because, see, it's not just about actions. Often when it comes to us uh, kind of checking if we're good husbands, if we're good wives, if we're good priests, if we're good citizens, if we're, if we're good Catholics, we just check the kind of the what we do, right? So are you Catholic? Yeah, I go to Mass. All right, so there you go, box ticked. Um, are you uh, an avid GAA fan? Yes, I go to matches. Okay, so we, we, we look at the kind of the outside, we pick kind of a couple of external things to check, are we, are we doing the right thing, Right? But in the gospel today, the Lord turns this on its head, where he says it's, it's not at all. It's not at all about the external things, but about the internal things. It's about the why. It's about the why we do these things, right? So and I'm always surprised. I, I love this gospel because it's, 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 it's more revolutionary than it seems. Okay, so two men went into the temple to pray. Okay, good thing. So check, good. They're in, going into the temple to pray. They're going to, not mass, but they're going to be united with God. Good. Now, one of Pharisee, so a man who knew the scriptures, a man who prayed every day, uh, and a tax collector, a traitor, someone working for the Romans, right? So somebody who wasn't liked at all, someone who more than likely was quite dishonest, a tax collector, because they could defraud people because they were educated and most of the people they were dealing with couldn't read or write. So they could well have cheated people and not, not be caught. No one would know. So the Pharisee stood there, stood there, stood, right? So not kneeling, not prostrating, stands, and he says his prayer to himself. Says the prayer to who? To himself. Saying the prayer to himself. Right? The details here are really important. And he says, I thank you, God, that I am not grasping and unjust, 
that I am not adulterous like the rest of mankind. Right? So the prayer is awful. His prayer is rotten. <laughs> really, it's rotten to the core. Like, And particularly that I'm not like that dirty tax collector at the back. Thank you that I'm not like him. Right? So the prayer is really, really bad. But he's praying. But it, it, he, he goes on. I fast twice a week. He fa- the man fasts twice a week. That's really good. How many of you fast twice a week? I won't ask. Okay. But um, the man fasts twice a week. Okay? He pays tithes on all he gets. So he pays the various taxes that he's, that he's supposed to pay. Okay, so, like, he's ticking an awful lot of boxes. He's doing an awful lot of things right. He's in the synagogue praying, or the temple praying. Uh, he's fasting. He's paying his tithes. It all on the outside looks really good. Okay? On the other hand, you've got a tax collector who's way off the mark in many ways. Okay, more than likely dishonest, more than likely a thief. Uh, but he's at, the, he's at the back. Tax collector stood some way, not even not even daring to raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God. Remember, Pharisee prays to himself. Tax collector prays to God. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This man, I tell you, went home at rights with God, and the Pharisee didn't. In, in relationships, it's really obvious if we're just ticking the box, because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's glaringly obvious if I'm just you know, spending time with someone because a psychologist somewhere said that in order to have a healthy marriage, I have to spend at least a half an hour with you every day. So I'm sitting there spending the time with you, watching the clock, and as soon as the alarm goes off, 30 minutes up, you know, it would look so forced and ridiculous because what is supposed to be happening here? What's supposed to be happening here is that I like you <laughs> because you're my wife. Right? So I want to spend time with you. I don't do so because I have to. I don't do so because it's healthy for the relationship. I do so because I, I want to. I choose to. Because I love you. Okay? Now apply all of this to our faith. We, don't, we shouldn't just be going to Mass out of duty. It's the very same as spending time with your wife because a psychologist says you have to. It's ridiculous. We shouldn't just be going to Mass because it's our duty. That's just, that's just not enough. That's a, that's like, not only is it a minimum, I, I'm not even sure if, it's, if it reaches the minimum. It's, it, it, you know, as I say, in any relationship, it would be ridiculous. But why is it okay for us to do that in our relationship with God? We should be spending time with God not because we have to, but because we want to, because we choose to, because we recognize that this is something good, it's something that, that this is something good for me. It's something good for my family. If I want to be a, a good priest, a good father, a good man, I need God. And so I want to spend time with him. Not because I have to, because of the commandment that says I have to, the church law, church teaching. Be that as it may. The reason we go shouldn't be that. It shouldn't be because there are rules and regulations saying we have to. I should choose to be with God because I love him. I should choose to pray because I want to be with him for all eternity. So I better get used to talking to him now. But not just, not just ticking a box. Why do we do what we do? If we don't know the why behind what we do, it begins to look a bit ridiculous. Why do you stand? Why do you sit? Why do you kneel? If we don't know why... Remember, um, we were praying the, the Angelus in school, right? Uh, and the word was made flesh. You know the bit where you genuflect? No, I never knew why we did that, but that was always just an excuse for us to try and kick the fellow behind us. 
because you do the, the longest backwards genuflection so you could kick someone when they couldn't move. The word was made flesh and, and back you go and try and kick someone. You know. But why were we genuflecting? No idea. No idea. <laughs> if we don't know what, why we're doing these things, they're ridiculous. Do you know, I mean, like, it, it, um, why do we kneel for the consecration? I mean, sometimes I, I feel bad asking people to kneel because I don't want to, you know, people to be uncomfortable. But at the same time, like, why do we kneel for the consecration? Because heaven and earth are going to touch and mere gifts of bread and wine are going to turn into God himself. If that's not worth kneeling down for, I don't know what is. That's why we do it. Even like uh, incense, which we don't use too often. We use for, for solemnities and that, and that sort of thing. But incense, what's the purpose of it? People would say, oh, back in the day it was to hide the, the smell of people, you know, because they'd, they'd, they'd have come to Mass on horseback or they'd have walked and in the summers they could be fairly stink. So incense was to hide the smell. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. They say the same for Santiago de Compostela, you know, for the, the Camino. Well, firstly, the, 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 that big tour will isn't lit for every Mass anyway. So only solemnities and big occasions. So, no, it's not to hide the smell of pilgrims. Our, there's a psalm that says, may our prayer rise like incense before you, O Lord. And so we turn something material, like our, our, our prayers or, or that, and we turn them into something that can now go to heaven. We can't send letters, emails, anything to heaven, but we can turn them into, like back in the day, the burnt offering. You turn uh, a bullock or uh, whatever the, the, the sacrifice was, turtle doves or sheep, you, you put them on a, a fire, and now something material turns into something that can go to heaven. You see how it works? You see how the, the image works? My sacrifice now has been turned into something that can go towards heaven. I've turned it into smoke, which goes to heaven. So that's the purpose of incense, right? Our prayers rising before God's throne like incense, like smoke. So there's a why behind everything we do. Even the little things, like why do we bow when we cross in front of the, the, the tabernacle? Because this is where Jesus lives. So we genuflect. When we cross in front of the tabernacle, you genuflect one knee. Because that's where Jesus lives. So if we know the why, it begins to make a whole lot more sense. If we don't know the why, then our relationship with God is like that couple, right? Where there's a man with a checklist trying to get everything off the list every day. How ridiculous does that look in a relationship? How ridiculous does it look in our relationship with God? Just checking boxes, praying the rosary because I kind of feel bad if I don't, as opposed to approaching the rosary with, I get to spend time with God now. I get the honor and privilege of spending time with God. I could be doing lots of other things. Can't quite think of any that are more important. So I get to spend time with God. Fantastic. Now I know why I'm doing it. And if I know the why, it's going to make it a lot easier to do with the heart. Without the why... I'll just be ticking boxes. And the problem is, especially when we see how the church has developed in Ireland over the last couple of generations, if we're only doing things to tick boxes, the next generation may not think, may not consider those boxes important at all. They may not even know the boxes exist. If I'm only observing the faith externally, the next generation, why would they bother? If they don't see it, that, that my faith is life-giving, that it makes me happy, that it fills a part of my heart and soul that nothing and no one else can. If they don't see that, why would they practice? If we get the why behind our faith, it starts to make sense. The why behind Mass, the why behind prayer, the why behind the Eucharist. Then it becomes life-giving. And if we don't, I'd say it actually becomes a, just a, a burden. 
a burden. So, today we ask the Lord to help us to see the beauty of our faith, the beauty of prayer, the beauty of a lived relationship with him. That our relationship with the Lord might give us life and life to the full. That we might discover not just a a box-ticking exercise in our faith, but that we might discover a lived relationship with a living God. Amen.